You're listening to the Hub City Church Podcast. To learn more about Hub City Church, including our gathering times, you can check out our website at albanyhubcity.com. Well, hey, good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, So yeah, a little special announcement before we kick things off. So first off, uh, in the last six months, uh, we have uh, been an all-volunteer uh, music and media team led. Um, all, all, everybody down from music to uh, upstage to um, doing the media to doing sound to doing everything has been all volunteers. And so I just want to first acknowledge everybody that stepped up for that and just did such a great job. Yeah, it's been so good and so good to see that like worship isn't built on a person, right? That this is about our worship for God. And so, and even what what I do, we view everything that we do up here as the worship service. So even in the preaching, we are worshiping God through the authority of his scripture. So it's all part of the worship service. But when we say kind of worship, a lot of times it gets pointed down to just music and, and media. So there's so much more to that. But also, in the last six months, we have had a open staff position uh, that we have been looking for a worship pastor, someone who can, on the staff side of things, kind of take, and not just someone that we, you know, uh, compensate so they can do the work, but someone that has such a deep heart for the church, a deep heart for uh, worship in general, um, and then specifically in music and art, um, and then wants to build teams, wants to uh, be with people and lead, lead leaders. Um, and so as we were kind of putting the feelers out there, maybe some of you helped us out, kind of search out, um, there was actually someone uh, in-house uh, here that was already volunteering with us that was just such a beautiful godsend um, and turned out to be uh, the person that we offered the position to. Um, and I want to congratulate and bring up uh, Annie Anderson and her family. <laughs> It's such a joy. Uh, if you guys don't know uh, Annie and her husband Calvin, this tall drink of water over here, um, and their beautiful twins, children Lenny and London, um, they are an incredible, incredible couple um, on so many levels. Good friends of ours. Um, but Annie has been so gracious and like literally, just you guys should have dinner with them, kind of hear their story and just how God worked in their life and how worship music and, and just leading people in worship with God was just really imparting her. And then it turns out she has a whole degree in worship arts uh, from college. And like, she's just done so much leadership stuff, has such a big heart for the, for the church. And so she's like, well, I, I kind of want to do this. And she's leaving a full-time career uh, to come work for our little, our little church, which is pretty awesome. And also why, but I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. No, we love it. Um, and our husband's in ministry as well. You can ask him all about that. And so just such a blessing. Like this is such a gift for our church. Um, and so Annie uh, will be our new worship pastor and we'll kind of work with those teams. Um, and so everything from stage to sound to media to knowing you're being prayed for to know she's on the team and we're really working together um, is going to be such a blessing. So so we're welcome, you guys. We're excited. That would be great. So if I could have uh, the staff and any elders that are here um, uh, to come on up, and we'll just pray over you guys as we kind of kick off the new year. <clears throat> Gather around. Cool. If you would just, uh, if you feel comfortable, and just kind of stretch out your hand, uh, trying to join us in prayer here, just bless this family. <clears throat> 
Heavenly Father, we worship you, God. This is not about a person. This is not about um, a job or even a vocation, Lord. This is about you um, and what you're doing in the Anderson family, God. Thank you so much for the the mind and the heart that you've gifted Annie with. Thank you for her skill set, the fact that she's even got some professional training in this. But God, we know that you can do so much more for those who are able and have a willing spirit and a humble heart to want to worship you, God. And that is all that she is. And I thank you for her family. I thank you for their beautiful twins. I just thank you for everything that you're going to do uh, through them in this church and uh, for just the building up of your body and love. God, um, we worship you and you praise you for this kind of decision, just moving forward. Uh, Thank you for your grace. Um, And we just bless this family here, Lord. And we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys. One more round of applause. Super excited. So yeah, if you guys get a chance, don't bombard them, but you know, definitely get coffee with them or uh, you can bombard them. Yeah, it's fine. Be great. Um, Well, hey, uh, so I'm just going to kick it off. So new year. Do you guys have a good new year's? Tell me everything. I was just kidding, uh, but I would love to follow up with you guys, but yeah, it's fun to start a new year, you know, new goals, new resolutions, new hopes and dreams for this year, and um, there's, so, there's so many new possibilities for all of us, you know, and a lot of you have probably thought about that, whether it's vocation, work, personally, um, whether it's uh, in family, um, all sorts of things, and you know, I believe that there is also a newness for the church. All right, there's also a newness in this next season for us as a body um, and the church just kind of worldwide that we believe and exist because we believe that God is restoring the world back to himself and he's using the church to, to do that, to be a vehicle for that. When we plaster that up there, it's not just words that we go to. We actually believe that is happening that Jesus is restoring the world. His restoration work has been at work in Albany. He cares about Albany. Can you believe it? He cares. It's not just New York. It's not just the the big cities, right? He cares about Albany. So everything we do this year, everything we do is in the name of restoration. Every program, every project, every outreach, every discipleship opportunity, all in the name of being restored back to God to be used in and for his kingdom to see in Albany like it is in heaven. And as it is the new year and the first Sunday of the year, I didn't want to just jump right back into something. We are going to jump back into Matthew chapter 8 next week, and we're actually going to be in Matthew until about Easter time. Okay, so strap in, right? It's going to be good. But, uh, but today, to kick off the new year, I kind of wanted to like just center us real briefly and center us in kind of the vision of what God has already given us in that restoration vision that we have. He's already given us the means to be able to be restored through his son, Jesus Christ. He's already given the opportunity to become something more, something more than just a great New Year's resolution, right? Something more than just the best version of ourselves, He's given us the chance to actually be made new, to be remade into the image bearers we were made to be in the first place before sin distorted us. And this morning, I want to walk through um, kind of a very insightful passage by Paul. It might feel random, but will you join me uh, in turning to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4, it'll be on the screen, but if you can turn your Bibles. 
or your smartphone, or maybe you memorized it. Congratulations. But Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, I want to read this over us. Actually, would you stand with me and let's read this together and then we'll pray. So this is Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me pray. God, we give you the glory this morning. Thank you for these words by Paul so long ago that mean so much today and right now. God, I hope that you, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your message and to hear from you today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and have a seat. So a little bit of background, because you know me, I can't just read a passage and not understand where it's coming from. So many of Paul's letters, if you're a fan of the New Testament and a lot of what Paul writes, are responding to certain issues in the church. He'll plant a church, and then a year or so later, he'll hear about something going on, so then he'll address it. He'll write a letter. Um, Ephesians is actually a little bit different in that. Ephesians is mostly a, just a check-in letter. It's mostly him writing to check in with the church of Ephesus. Of course, there's stuff going on. Of course, there's things he addresses. Um, but it's not totally in response to something. It's a word of encouragement for those taught about Jesus, express belief that he was in fact the son of God who came to take their sins away, saved out of their lifestyle, and now we're trying to live in light of that salvation. Okay, much of like us, much of us, we heard of Christ at one point, we were saved, and now we're trying to figure out what does living for him look like. And as we all know, even with the beauty and grace of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of our salvation, it's hard to live in this world, isn't it? It's just tough. This world is hard. And Paul got that. And most importantly, God knows that. So God used Paul as an encouragement here. Paul wants to remind and encourage the distinction that Christ followers are to have from the rest of the world, who though as a people to be loved on have rejected God's salvation in their lives by not believing Jesus as the Christ. And in many of Paul's letters, he's speaking to Jews who now believe in Jesus and have now become Christian, urging them to not turning back <clears throat> to their rigid Jewish legal practices, but living in the freedom of the grace of Jesus to love God and love others. So in Ephesians, Paul is primarily speaking actually to non-Jews, Gentiles who have come from worldly backgrounds, serving all kinds of other gods, other lifestyles, who now have heard about this Jesus. They believe him to be the Christ. They found this conversion experience, and that, that now that they are not to slip back into their old lifestyles or return to their pagan ways. Now, most of us here today would fall under a Gentile category, okay, where we are encouraged to not slip back into our old ways, but to live fully and freely in the new life Christ has 
for us. So keep this in mind, this background, as Paul is writing. I want to work through these passages a few times uh, to start off the new year. So going back to verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So it starts out a little bit harsh. It it feels harsh. It's just a reality of what he is saying. There are those, whether they've heard of Jesus or not, that are just not coming over to God. They're not allowing the Spirit of God to transform in them a new heart, to become aware of their sin, to not pursue their own desires. And that's the crazy part of it. Nowadays, you'd think with the, the internet, the spread through of missionaries, evangelism, that maybe it's like, well, who doesn't know about Jesus? And that still happens today. There are still parts of the world that people don't know about Christ. And of course, as you have children and children and children and new generations, if they are not told about Christ, how would they know? But in Paul's day, there were many who had not yet heard of Jesus. Right? And were ignorant to any other lifestyle and belief than what they grew up in. The awareness that the idols they worshipped and how they worshipped was actually sin was just not there. Jesus himself actually brought this out, speaking with his disciples on how the world would perceive his message and then subsequently his followers. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Jesus said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So the revelation of Jesus Christ as Savior necessitates something to be saved from and out of. That word sensuality is such a fascinating word. Paul means it's, it's not just a sexuality word or sexual word, right? It's the pursuit of pleasuring the senses as ultimate, right? We are human. We're made with senses. That's a good thing. But the pursuit of those things above all else makes it a God thing, worshiping the creation rather than the creator, So back to Ephesians 4, Paul's reminding these people they've been taught of Jesus and his saving grace, and this means they are now in the know. They are without excuse. There is not a falling back into ignorance there, right? Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I don't know about you, but I am actually a fan of New Year's resolutions. I, uh, I, I kind of need those markers. I'm extrinsically motivated. Anyone else in here? Yes, that means I, do, I cannot motivate myself. I am my worst coach and my worst enemy. I, I love to have some marker of something to be able to do that, to stop pounding the candy canes or to, to lose some weight or do whatever. Um, so, of course, I was looking at like New Year's resolutions. 
and uh, looked up Forbes magazine, because I was like, what are all the homies doing in the world? <laughs> so if you care about this sort of thing, uh, it was like almost half of the people that they, I think they did a couple thousand people survey, half of them uh, had a re resolution to improve their fitness. Okay, maybe some of us are in that. Uh, you know, you can look at the percentages there, finances, mental health, uh, lose weight, improve your diet. Pretty classic, right? That's like a classic New Year's, like, I, this is the year, guys. We're going to do it, right? Um, with certain nuances, we're probably all <clears throat> somewhat in that category as well. Like, we probably all have dreams and have all sorts of things, right? And we should care about all that health stuff. We should care about being healthy um, physically and mentally. The natural world, the natural idea is make yourself better or improve the old self, right? That's the year. It's like, no, this year I'm going to improve myself. But what is the perspective of the scriptures here? It's not about making the old you better. It's put off the old self and put on the new self. For God, it's actually be made new. Don't just try to be better. Be made new. This new self, as, as Paul said at the end, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Was that anyone's New Year's resolution? <laughs> right? That sounds a lot more than just a New Year's resolution. Right? The Jewish practice of the new year called Rosh Hashanah is a 10-day ritual, 10 days, of acknowledgement and recognition of their sin and failures this past year ending on the 10th day with Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, where they confess their sins, repent, turn back to God, and full commitment to start off their new year. So we locked the doors, and we're here for 10 days. <laughs> I hope you brought a change of underwear. Um, but isn't that, isn't that incredible? 10 days of introspection and confession and repentance, right? right? I have great respect for that. Like, that's incredible. I'm sure we would all benefit from taking a week and a half every new year to evaluate our lives and recommit to God. And one of my favorite aspects of that practice is not just an isolated, like, go home and have a personal 10-day retreat. They actually do that as a community together, right? They, they, they actually talk and confess together, repent together, recommit together. But in comparison, how crazy is it the new year hits and we're just like, oh, every three out of 10 of us are like, oh, I'll lose some weight, Four out of ten of us are like, I might work out this year, you know? Right? Instead, this year is the perfect opportunity for us as a community to take seriously what it means to put off the old self. The old ways of self-indulgent sensuality. Remember the senses. What we used to do for fun and entertainment. What we used to think we couldn't live without. What we used to think we could never have freedom from what we used to crave the taste of, there is a whole new way. There is a whole new self that Jesus Christ has for you and I right now. A self created after the likeness of God. What does that sound like? Garden language, image of God language. Just like he first created us, he wants to recreate us in his likeness, modeled after his son, Jesus. In Christ, we are formed and are being formed back into the new creation. And sometimes this happens in huge ways. 
huge experiences of God's moving or our miraculous healing or a full just 180 heart change overnight. Sometimes that happens. But also, more often than not, that isn't done by three or four huge life moments, but a thousand small habits done in faith. Every day we make hundreds, if not thousands, of small little choices that make up our life. And I would argue those small, how we do those small little choices inform and shape how we make our big decisions other than the other way around. But it's the paradox that God does all the changing and we live intentionally different. We intentionally offer all the little decisions out of faith to God and then watch him grow us into maturity. And this is bigger than just you and I individually. You see, you and I can experience kind of the old self and the new self. We can say, yeah, I used to care about that and now I don't. But on a grander scale, when we're talking about restoration and being a new creation, God is restoring his entire creation back to himself. This isn't just something brand new. It's a restoration to being his again, but as a new creation. John in Revelation puts it a new heavens and a new earth. Paul spoke about this in Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Restoration is much more than us just feeling better and being used by God. We're actually joining with the very ground that we walk on, with the very created nature all around us when we join in for our groaning for change and salvation. This is all out of God's <clears throat> grace, right? Because of the grace of God, we're not dependent upon ourselves for this new self, but we, out of the freedom we have in Christ, get to live out this new self and joy and worship of what he has already given us. This isn't a passive lifestyle. I know this is true of my life that a lot of my following of Jesus has been very passive, right? Not, I would not say it as intentional as I'd like it to be. When you read about people that were dedicated to the Lord, and it's hard sometimes to say like, well, I do things for the Lord when it makes sense or when it falls on a Sunday or in a certain time, but to actually be dedicated, to be intentional about it, right? To actually be made in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lot that we do that does not fit into those two categories, if we're honest, right? But Paul, he continues. He said this new self, it's not just this, okay, now I have a new self, now what? He actually gives some practicality a few verses later. And this would be the hope that if we desire as a community to put on this new self, this is what some of the things it could look like. Verse 25 of Ephesians 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So first off, right away, it's like, and don't just keep it to yourself. Boldly sharing Joe's, with, Joe's Jesus, we, as some people call him Joe. <laughs> if, you know, he's a buddy. Boldly sharing Jesus with those you are living right next to. 
Like you think it's a, you think it's a, by happenstance that your neighbors are your neighbors. Like that is a gift. All right, this is much harder to do when we haven't first committed ourselves to experiencing the goodness of God in our own lives. When we don't feel, act, or look any different than those who don't follow Jesus, we're probably not giving very much to him. Right? It's not about speaking the truth. It's first about putting away falsehood, a.k.a. anything against righteousness and holiness. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Listen, this one I, I've actually experienced in my heart, and I hope you know what I mean, just like a lot of, uh, of anger. I kind of reside, it's that passion anger, right? Not just like, ah, you know, but like it can't, it, a lot of times I've felt like anger is just bad, 100%. You look in the scripture, it says, be angry and do not sin. There is a lot in this world to be angry about. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of brokenness and pain and death and anxiety and sadness. If you have children, you have anger, right? <laughs> There's a lot to be angry about. Love my kids. But it's allowing God's, allowing God in his spirit to redefine your anger in the context of righteousness and holiness. Your anger should work towards restoration. Don't let anger be the ending goal, but anger is kind of that alarm on the dashboard that action needs to be taken. Something's not right. And according to this passage, righteous anger in the truth of Christ and love of Christ can be a good thing. If I can be so bold as to say we should be angry at the way sin has ravaged God's good world. That should make us upset. We should not be okay with how casually evil is deemed good and good evil. We should be angry about those things that Jesus got angry about, but not to sin. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, I, I don't think many of us necessarily wrestle with kleptomania in here, um, but this isn't just referring to actually stealing, but it's living dishonestly. Okay, nowadays, we can steal by lying on a timesheet, which results in money, stealing energy from our family or spouses by not being helpful. Thief has a myriad of meanings today, but the, but the goal of it is being one formed into the new self of doing honest work and having something to share with anyone in need. Our speech matters. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now that one a lot of times gets relegated just to potty words, okay? Don't use potty words. But if you go back through this, look through this on your own and really think about the intentionality of our speech actually building one another up giving grace to those who hear you. When people were with Jesus, they were on fire. They were built up by the words that he spoke, right? They were encouraged. There was a fire. They could not get enough of that. Of course, he's Jesus. And of course, some hated what he had to say that comes with the territory. But if we're followers of Jesus with the same message that he has, then being that new self shaped by him should be a blessing to others. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, this one could be a bunch of different sermons. 
In John's gospel, Jesus said this about the Spirit, John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Spirit bears witness about Jesus. And followers of Jesus have the Spirit of God residing within them. So if there is falseness, falsehood in the follower, it is grieving the spirit that desires to exalt Jesus. The outward is lessening the impact of the internal witness. Instead, the inner spirit should influence and be free to shine through our exterior to use our personality, our experiences, our skills, and our minds to allow the witness of Christ to be so evident. This new self is, is such an incredible opportunity to allow the Spirit of God shine through who you are. That is how you are made new, is literally God, like imbuing you with His Spirit to live differently. And a lot of times that comes, that seems to come with a mastery over some emotions as well. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Like that's, that's a heavy list right there. The Greek philosopher Aristotle defined bitterness as the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. What a devastating state to be in, right? How can God's love flow in and through a person who refuses reconciliation? Wrath here is flashes of anger, red hot in a moment. Anger in this context, different than before, is the low-grade, seething resentment that's tough to extinguish. It can last for years and years and years. Clamor and slander are, are verbs of gossip, envy, and judgment. But here's what he says instead, verse 32. Be kind to one another. This is what a new self, it sounds so simple, but be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Like Paul concludes this section with the gut punch we all need in this new year. This goes for all of us. If we think we're something, if we think we're better than others or have it more together or are closer to God than others around us, realize we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We were all once enemies of God before Christ. And it was Christ and Christ alone who forgave us our sins so that we would be able to forgive one another. Church, we love because who loved us first? Christ loved us first. This is the people we are to be about. This isn't just a better version of who you were. This is a whole new self God wants to fulfill in and through you with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. These changes don't happen just overnight. It takes a willingness to dedicate ourselves to the restoration of ourself, a vulnerability, a confession, a repentance into that new self that God has for us. And I want to go back to close to verse 30. To not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There is much beauty in this verse, but one of the most profound reminders is that we are to keep ourselves for living for, we got to keep ourselves from living only for this moment in time, but that we're actually now bound for eternity with God. There's no easy way to put that. 
eternity, anytime you talk about eternity, it always sounds insane. <laughs> it always sounds wonderful, and it's always flabbergasting, right? But we don't need to hurry or worry about the big things in our lives that are going to help us make it, right? We need to faithfully and daily in a thousand small decisions remain steadfast. Our resolution shouldn't primarily be get ripped or buy that car or make that much money. Those can still be for the glory of God in some cases, but our primary goal should be more like this year with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'd like to remain faithful. I want to keep steadfast in speech and good deeds. I want to help out as much as possible. I want to give away as much as possible and watch God replenish. I want to draw near to Jesus and he will draw near to me. I want to do everything with prayer and thanksgiving, right? These are the daily goals and reminders that make us the people of God for eternity that start looking like the people of God, not just better humans now. One of my favorite uh, daily devotionals um, uh, is by Paul Tripp. It's called New Morning Mercies. It's a fantastic daily devotional if you're looking for one. Um, but he had a blurb a few days ago that I just, I couldn't help but want to share it with you. So let me read this for you. It's hard to live with eternity in view. Life does shrink to the moment again and again. There are moments when it seems that the most important thing in life is getting through this traffic, winning this argument, or satisfying this sexual desire. There are moments when our happiness and contentment shrink to getting those new shoes or to the stake that's just 10 minutes away. There are moments when, we, when who we are, who God is, and where this whole thing is going shrink into the background of the thoughts, emotions, and needs of the moment. There are moments when we get lost in the middle of God's story. We lose our minds, we lose our sense of direction, and we lose our remembrance of Him. God reminds us that this is not all there is, that we were created and recreated in Christ Jesus for eternity. He reminds us not to live for the treasures of the moment, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Matthew 6. Think about this. If God has already granted you a place in eternity, then he has also granted you all the grace you need along the way or you'd never get there. There is grace for our fickle and easily distracted hearts. There is rescue for our self-absorption and lack of focus. The God of eternity grants you his eternal grace so that you can live with eternity in view. There is so much encouragement in there for us. The new self isn't as daunting when we put it in light of what Christ is doing in us for eternity. Right? We allow this to happen more in our letting go than in our control. This is a year of letting go, a year of letting him restore us, not just making ourselves better. Everything we do this year as a church is going to be a light of the truth of the grace of Jesus Christ, that it is completely available, completely sufficient, enough for us to live freely and boldly for him as he's restoring us, restoring Albany, and restoring the whole world into his loving grace. And the question that we have for ourselves to kick off the new year is, do we live like we believe it? Do we speak like we believe it? Do we love God and others like we believe it? Do we do things like small group? We don't do a lot of like program stuff here, but do things like hub communities or being out in the city or doing stuff because we should 
Lord, because we believe it. We believe it's actually making a difference. God is using this church to restore Albany, to partner with him. This year, our prayer is that it's not just about a better you and me. In Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. In Paul's word, put on the new self created after the likeness of God into righteousness and holiness. Let's respond to that, okay? To kick off the new year and respond in song and in our prayers. Let that be our prayer. God, what this new self work in me to show me the ways that the old self is still trying to take control, to let that go, to put that off and to put on the new self to give away. We just had an incredible joy offering Sunday that was so fun. And those big moments feel great and amazing. But there's also in just the, the consistent daily, monthly, weekly, whatever, just giving away of the riches to say, God, I believe in what you're doing in this place. I believe what the community is able to do together with shared resources. And that's a huge one. Then, of course, going to communion, receiving, going, we who are the many going to the one loaf together to remember the, that all of this is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. All of this is, this isn't a club. This isn't just something that we're like, oh, we should be better. This is actually because of Christ. And he says, every time you worship in my name, remembering me and what I did, do this in remembrance of me, to take the bread that was a reminder of his body and to take the cup of juice, a reminder of his blood that washed us clean by his death. And remember that he is not just dead. He is the risen king. But we remember what he did for us in his sacrifice. So you can go to the tables um, and then you can take communion today on your own or with those around you or with the spouse. But to kick it off, let me pray um, a new year prayer over us. This is an excerpt from um, a book, a collection of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. I love to read. Let me just pray this over us. Thou hast brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold your glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter your stars shine. Let me find your light in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, your glory in my valley. Amen.